Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Come in, guys. Come sit down. Sit down. Uh, sit down close. Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa al-aqibatu al-mustaqeen. Wa la'udwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wa salwatullahi wa salamuhu ala ashraf al-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen. Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'atu zahla. Wa anta tajul al-hazna idha shi'ta sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa hisna ibadatika ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ladies and gentlemen, elders and youth and everyone, mashallah, tabarakallah, zakumullah khair for coming out on, I was going to say a cold evening, but it's not that cold to be honest, yeah? But this is my first, uh, trying to lads earlier on, I was, this is my first winter that I've spent, like in the UK, for, for years. And it's a buzz kind of being here to be honest, I don't know why everybody's hating on. It's not that cold, lots of uh, action, lots of activities, it's mashallah, yani a result. And what I've really enjoyed genuinely, um, I could have theoretically, just to speak to the, the home crowd, I could have theoretically got back to uh, uh, Chido. But uh, what I found is that when people are at home um, in the holiday period, the, the fitna, the pull of staying at home in the holiday period is massive, especially with, you know, TV and Flipping BT Sport showing 26,000 games yani, in one go. They were, it was their, their, the whole week of their run-up was that we've got every single game today. You can watch every single game that you want. Like whatever Amazon can do, we can do better. And that's never going to stop. It's, it's going to get crazy more and more. I'll give them a hand, Yara. I think they're going to collapse. Um, the, um, and that, that, that situation where entertainment becomes that much more easily accessible and it's becoming more alluring and more, uh, uh, you know, more innovative. Uh, what, was the, what was the word that we were using that they were trying to be today on the pitch? They were trying to be, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the commentating team. We were saying that they're trying new ideas and stuff, yeah? So they're, they're, uh, they're um, you know, they present from the pitch now as opposed to in the warm studio. So when they st <laughs> so earlier on, when we saw that, I said, you know, they're dumb for doing that behavior because you know that's going to backfire. Yep, stray balls, someone yeah, and he's swearing on the pitch, yeah, and someone in the crowd's going to slap them, someone in the crowd's going to throw some yeah, bottle at them, and the sprinklers are definitely going to hit them. And if you just saw the beginning of the Man City Everton game, yeah, they all got soaked. <laughs> Absolute sick of seeing any footage ever, but the sprinkler came and whatever. Everybody's trying new ideas, whatever. So this fitna of this dunya is never going to stop. It's only going to get worse because it's entertainment and they are going to entertain you to death. And so the reason to come to the masjid, we need to increase them. It should be theoretically enough just to come for uh, salah. Okay? But the truth is, is that we don't invest enough in our masajid either. In our imams, for example. I mean, genuinely, genuinely. I'm not just saying this because he's my friend. I could stand and listen to Shaykh Ahsan Hanif recite Quran all night long. MashaAllah tabarakallah. Unbelievable gift that he's been given. Alright? Now, if he was the Imam of your masjid, you'd need no excuse whatsoever. You'd be there, you know, before everybody else. The truth is, is that not everybody, not everybody is given that kind of voice. And not everybody has the funny Imam who is warm and welcoming to, you know. These are bonuses. 
we need to work on that and create that so people feel comfortable and they feel open, let alone the sisters kind of section and whatever. I'll tell you something what I saw today. You know that uh, the video has gone viral. Have you seen it? The one where the plug point, is Amer it's an American plug point, a plug socket. So the, the cover is taken off and someone's created a, a miniature kind of house inside it. Have you seen it? You seen that video, right? So imagine this place of where a, 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 plug, a plug goes. Imagine taking off the socket. You find the back box there, yeah? The back box is made of silver thing. Imagine that someone has in that back box, in a miniature nano type, created a living room with a kitchen, with a microwave, with a sofa, with a this, with a that. And it's a marvel how incredible the engineering is. And it's a video that's been going viral for the last couple of uh, uh, weeks, maybe, I think. And so someone, Yanni, has posted that video today and uh, re-quoted the, 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 the picture and they put the sister's prayer section in the masjid. <laughs> Absolute perfection. Absolute perfection. So with these kind of reasons, why do people want to come? And it's so, Yanni, you know, comforting to stay at home. So people, they need more reasons to come out. So I, well, I'm so happy that I made the decision that last week I was going to do it in London, just, Yanni, give people an excuse to get together. And then today in um, uh, Birmingham. And I want to thank uh, uh, Masjid al-Hikmah, the Wisdom Cultural Center, for putting this on. Not only after last night with Sheikh Ahsan, uh, with QP, so they do it two nights in a row, which is hard on them as well. They have families and they've got to, you know, open the masjid for longer, etc., etc. But also for changing the, or allowing a second prayer time, which is a massive no-no for me, by the way. That's the irony. Okay, so we made it very, very clear that the original Jama'ah was at seven, but there will also be a Jama'ah at eight for those who are arriving late, and that's no way in taking away the authority. I personally am of the opinion that if I come into a masjid with a second person, we will not pray a second Jama'ah. I, I, that's my personal opinion. Uh, that the masjid Jama'ah must be preserved and must be honored. The Imam's position is something which is sacrosanct. It's the same reason why the Prophet ﷺ said that a man is not led fi sultanihi. All right? A man is not led in his authority. An authority is his house, his masjid, his area, his tribe. You don't disrespect the person, even if you're the big sheikh and the, the, the most memorized of the Quran, but he has a right to be there. And that has to be preserved. Unless, illa bi the hadith ends, except if he gives you permission and insists. And so, uh, we want to thank them for allowing us to pray Isha again at 8 o'clock as opposed to, as well as the 7 o'clock one. Um, which also, Again, for me, it's important to offer the masajid have to be, um, it's hard work, man. They've got to really, the Dawah organizations, they've got to really kind of reinvent the wheel. They've got to find as many reasons as possible to welcome uh, Muslims to get together. Because now, just like, just like when you see people sitting together, people find it very difficult to maintain conversation, unlike 10 years ago. Now they've got every uh, way of getting out of boring conversation or people they don't like by just going on their phones, yeah? And checking or messaging with other people or whatever it is. But the point is it's an easy escape. And so now people are starting to develop the, the desire or they can't control the desire to be alone. And individualism and, and being lonely is now a, a thing of the past. Everybody's happy as long as they have internet connection and their phone, you can leave me alone, locked up, not a problem, I'll be happy as Larry, yeah? And so... Therefore, even more difficult to get people together. That is why the Muslims who know how important the congregation is, who know that the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah, yani, the hand of Allah is with the jama'ah, or, 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 or on the jama'ah, 
meaning the protection and the honor of Allah is with those who come together. That, that the Prophet ﷺ said that the, the lone wolf is the one that's taken and the Muslims who stay together are not. That we've been discussing with different people today in the da'wah, myself, some of the brothers earlier on today, and we were looking at some of the people who are uh, unfortunately falling into fitna. Leaders, Muslim scholars, Muslim speakers who are falling astray. And one of the main reasons for that is that they isolate themselves from the Muslims. They isolate themselves from the masses because they think we're all dumb. Or they think the scholars are all dumb and backwards. And we're the academics. And we're the modern way of thinking. And they're backward thinking. And they didn't know what we know today and whatever. And it doesn't matter if the four Imams believe this, but we believe that. And this is where it starts. And when you start to believe your own hype and you fall into the, the intellectual arrogance that it's about the I and not the we, and it's about trusting the concept of the jama'ah, even if you think you know better, and not denigrating the masses, let alone what is unanimous consensus, let alone what is the, the, the most important aspect of this Muslim community is this jama'ah after the sunnah. That's why it's called Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah, the people of sunnah and the people who then unify everyone to, around that and stay united. And so people, once they become alone, then they lose the jama'ah to hold them accountable. And therefore, the only voices around them are the yes-men or the likewise yeah, academics who are telling them the same thing. And then they believe what they're being told and they genuinely think that the rest of them are astray. And then they go astray. And that's what's happening all the time. So when you're hearing, Sheikh, what do you say about so-and-so? What do you say about so-and-so? It's true. They create their own situation. So it's so important for Muslims to attend masajid. You are not famous enough. You are not rich enough. You are not uh, powerful enough. You are not a leader enough. You are not nothing enough to not come to the masjid and humble yourself in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All right? Uh, the Fajr Jama'ah is not for someone else to come to. The Fajr Jama'ah is not for the unemployed. The, the, the Isha uh, Jama'ah is not for those people who understand Arabic. The, you know, there are no excuses. Everybody needs the protection of the Jama'ah. If you, even if you understand nothing. Even if you have to drive 10-15 minutes. It's worth it for you. The investment that you've got to put into it is worth it. Um, events, classes. Uh, uh, the, the, this, uh, um, no, next weekend, for example, Al-Maghrib's class in Manchester. Those who are online, even those who are here and can travel, you should go and enjoy being uh, uh, in the company of believers because you benefit from being in the company of believers. Your time in the company of believers, even if you, and this is the irony, even if you were to learn nothing, just the fact that the angels are with you is going to be better than your time spent at home watching rubbish or home where pictures are or where images are, where the videos are playing, where games are being played and angels are not entering. Where, and I can just go on and on and on, right? So let alone be at a class. We have all these people who come from abroad and come travel far. Sheikh Ibrahim is here next week in Manchester teaching about the seerah of the Prophet in a unique way. So that's Elmfest is coming here to uh, Birmingham. It's your own city. I mean, it would be crazy if not only did you not try to do everything to be there with your family, regardless of who came, who the speakers are, and what they said, just the opportunity to be in a place where 100% is going to be better than wherever you else are going to be on that weekend or that day. So it's so important for us to remind ourselves this and to try and promote this and take it upon ourselves. Anyway, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us because it's not an easy situation. It's really worrying, okay? And uh, New Year's Day, is it New Year's Day or first, second now? Yeah, New Year's Day. A lot of people are into the whole resolution thing. So instead of Yanni wasting time on a gym membership, you know you're not going to after next week, all right? So uh, unless Yanni is starting tomorrow, but I mean, 
you know, the rest of us are just old dreamers. We, we talk a big game, yeah, but we know it ain't lasting anything more than a week or two. So, might as well, yeah, and you make the intention that you're going to attend the Jama'ah at least once a day, all right? And that you attend an Islamic activity at least once a week, whether it's a circle or not. Quranic progression, by the way, that you have here, and these long-term classes always have low attendances, but I tell you, um, there will come a time that you will regret that you gave your Tuesday evening to something else, whatever it is, whatever it is. That you have Sheikh Hassan here going through a bit of Quran every single week. I mean, subhanAllah. It's a sad, sad thing that people don't value it like it should be valued. So make that intention. If you're into your New Year resolutions, take that. All right. So folks, those who are not, um, not aware of what happens in logical progression, um, then a logical progression is a class on effectively uh, every aspect of Islam, day-to-day -day Islam. All right? It's not a Qur'an tafsir class. Uh, but in this class, we will speak about aqidah, current affairs, and mostly law, mostly fiqh. All right? How we practice our Islam on a day-to-day -day basis. We use a text that's known as Zad al-Mustaqni', which is written by an imam called Imam al-Hajjawi. He was a, a scholar of the Hanbali madhab. And then another scholar who loosely is a Hanbali, but yeah, he's pretty relaxed when it comes to the issue of fiqh. He wrote a commentary, Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih al-Uthaymeen. Alayhi rahmatullah, may Allah have mercy upon him. He wrote a book called Sharh al-Mumti', which is the easy commentary. And that's the book that we use. We give a commentary on that. And it covers everything. And we've been obviously doing this for the last seven, eight years. And we are currently in the chapter of the prayer. And specifically, we're in the chapter of the description of the prayer. And super specifically, we're in the chapter of what are the things that you are allowed to do inside the prayer whilst praying. Last week, it was focused on counting and correcting the imam. Counting is referring to the permissibility for the one who is praying to be able to keep up with either what the imam is reciting or more commonly what they're reciting themselves because they're not able, they, they either want to read a set number of ayats. We covered some hadith last week where the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever stands in the night prayer with 10 verses, he will not be, anyone remember? not be written from the ghafileen. That means that, you know, in the, in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala condemns the people who are ghafileen, heedless with respect to this uh, dunya and the akhirah. They're not aware, they're being yani, negligent, right? So, uh, someone who recites 10 verses a night, that's all. And 10 verses a night doesn't have to be from Baqarah, so it takes you yani, half an hour. But 10 verses can be, قُلْ هُلَا أَهَدْ إِنَا أَتَيْنَكَ الْكَوْثَرُ وَلَا أَصْرٍ جَوْبْدًا Yep. Now it needs a few minutes. But the intention was there, application was there. Whoever does that yani, uh, uh, in a night, Allah will not yani, write this person from the ghafileen. He's protected. Then the Prophet Sallallahu said that whoever recites a hundred verses each night or in the night, then they will be considered to be from the qanitin. The qanitin means the devout, the obedient. Right? And that's obviously a, a superb status. And then the Prophet Sallallahu said that whoever recites a thousand verses in a night, then he will be considered from the muqantireen. Very good. And this is a, a, a word which basically means this is a person whose reward is off the, chale, off, 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 the, off, the, off the charts. It's like, it's crazy because the qintar, if you remember when we went to Umrah, we said the qintar is the uh, reward the size of Uhud. And the Prophet ﷺ pointed to it, alright? So, Uhud is the Qintar. 
yani type if you were going to physicalize or make it yani physical the, the reward as such so the munqadirin is indicating that they have multiple multiple qintars yani huge off the charts and again a thousand verses depending upon yani you know if you got game or not right it's either going to take you yani six hours if you start from the beginning of the quran right or it will take you less than an hour if you start from just the barak and we did a calculation lala what was the calculation 995, yeah? 995. So Ibn Hajar, uh, he said, if you start from all the way until that's 995, basically a thousand verses. All right? And so a person who uh, uh, does that, uh, and, and, and chuck the Fatiha in, and you've done it yani, nice, and, nice and comfortably, right? So, uh, I mean, it's not that difficult, and especially in these nights. So anyway, there are people who do need to count and they forget. Or count raka'at and they forget. Just like when you're making tawaf and you forget. So you can use your fingers. So the, 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 the point actually that we're covering is that there's movement allowed in the prayer. And then we spoke in detail about the fath or, or the correcting of the imam. All right? And we spoke about that. And anyone who wants to go and look at the lesson, and then you can see it on the portal. It's all there. So I don't want to repeat what I mentioned. But I will... Just say a few things that Sheikh Uthameen said, which are a little bit different, um, on the uh, on the uh, issue. So what did he say? What did he say? He said, uh, "Where's where's our uh, uh, notes, uh, Lala? Can you get out?" The uh, yeah, study me. That's it. No, no, the, the, no, not that one. It would be uh, yeah uh, on the right. Zada Mustaqir. No, no, go back to study material. Yep, that's the one. That's it. So if we are uh, just want to read the Arabic. So if you just go up a little bit, the other way, yep. All right, stop there, stop there, stop right there. Okay, good. So in the Arabic, what we're going to be covering today, um, uh, Okay, I think that's probably all we're going to get done today, to be honest. فَإِنْ أَطَالَ الْفِعْلِ عُرْفًا مِنْ غَيْرِ ذُرُورَ وَلَا تَفْرِيقٍ بَطْرَةُ وَلَوْ سَهْوَةٍ I don't think we're going to get to that. So you come down. So, um, down, down, down. And uh, down, down, down. Here we go. It is allowed in the prayer. It is allowed. A, to prevent someone crossing his prayer zone. Okay, someone is coming into your prayer zone. To count verses. That's what I just explained now. To correct the imam. I'm going to summarize that. To put on clothes, to wrap one's turban, and to kill a snake, scorpion, and louse. That's what we, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to cover this much today. So just to uh, uh, cover the fath uh, of the imam, um, Sheikh Uthameen says that the, the, the author, he says, that you correct your imam. He made it very specific, your imam. That does not mean that you correct someone else. That whole happens a lot, don't you? doesn't it? Well, I don't know how, much, how often it happens. But if you're praying, and then you hear someone else reciting, not in your salah, and you know they're making a complete, you know, mashup of it, and what do you do when you're in your salah? And the scholars discuss that as well. However, Sheikh Uthameen knocks it on the head. He says that, um, that you're not allowed to be uh, correcting him. All right? Not because it will be speech. Because when you, so if you heard someone say, for example, Sirat al-Ladina anamta alayhim ihdin asrat al-Mustaqim, 
okay, which is they've messed up the order there, okay, and he's just literally reading from the, fa- the, the Mus'haf, but he just mixed it up, and he's sitting there just doing his own reading. If you were to then say, إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطِ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ صِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ يعني To indicate that it's the right way around, this is the right way around, okay. You haven't spoken because speech, speech, is defined as being that which is said, which is not the, the, the work of Allah, not the Qur'an, not, and also not necessarily Arabic language or outside the issue of tasbih or dhikr. So every Arabic tasbih, dhikr, and Qur'an in general, if there's a need, can be said because it doesn't, it's not called the human speech. Yani, um, so for example, theoretically, Theoretically, if someone came to you and they said to you, they didn't realize you were praying. They said, Kif halak? And you said, Alhamdulillah. Theoretically, for the prayer to be considered invalid would be a huge call by a scholar to make that. I don't think any scholar will. This shouldn't be done because you're kind of interacting. However, it's a big shout for you to be saying that's yani because you said a dhikr which is part of the salah, alhamdulillah, we say it all the time, whatever. So if you then said, Baraki, <laughs> right? Which is like the Egyptian way of like, you know, wagwan, alhamdulillah, yani what's happening? Now, people will have a debate here now. They'll say, well, this is Arabic, so it's not outside of the, 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 the language of the salah. However, it's not fusha, it's not proper words, it's not whatever, it's gone colloquial, it's understood as speech, it's gone out of the genus of dhikr, and we've got a problem. So, it is important to understand that when we say this is not to be done, correcting the, uh, the other person, okay, it's not because you are, speak, you are speaking uh, uh, speech, it's because you are uttering something outside of the rules of salah, where it needs to be quiet when you're in that position, whether you're praying by yourself or praying behind an imam. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that you are in a relationship with the imam. You are connected to the imam. You have no relationship with that person. The only permission that's been given is to correct the imam. That cannot be widened to some next guy. Not yani your problem. Okay? And also, it is, the next point, is that it's very important that you stay focused on what you're hearing here. If you're focused on what you're hearing there, you're not exactly A, listening to the Imam, B, listening to yourself. You're meant to be focused. And we spoke about that last week as well, the issue of children and sounds that you hear, etc., etc. So, simply put, yani that shouldn't be done. Now, this is in the, um, this is in the chapter of the permissible acts in the prayer. Permissible, right? Does that mean, therefore, that to correct the imam is only permissible? It can be wide depending upon the mistake. Correct. The answer is, is that the ruling of correcting an imam depends upon what they're saying. All right? Depends upon what they actually do. And we covered a little bit this last week. And Sheikh Uthameen, he just gives some examples which I like. He goes that there are generally two types. The first one is that it's obligatory. The second one is that it is recommended. So, for example, that which is obligatory... Is someone yani, who um, does something which invalidates the prayer. For example, he intentionally, intentionally increases something in the in the uh, salah. So, for example, he when I say intentionally, I mean he's aware that he did it. Okay, but it's a mistake, obviously. So he increases a rakah. So you say Subhanallah, 
You've got to say to him, subhanAllah, you've actually increased the rakah so that he's aware of what he's just done, so that he can yani, fix it. Um, uh, and for example, if he changes the, uh, he recites in such a way that the meaning of the Fatiha, for example, which is a rukun of the prayer, that's changed. Okay? That's something which is not, uh, example, uh, uh, not allowed. For example, uh, if he does lahan, and lahan, lahan, I think I discussed before, is, uh, has Sheikh Ahsan spoken about lahan? No? Lahan is a difficult issue, actually. You'll find a lot of discussion about this word lahan, and it means different things in the Arabic language and in the Quran and in the prayer. Lahan, in a very positive sense, is, is reciting nicely, all right, in tune, with modality and tune. However, the majority of the time it has a negative connotation. Lahan is referring to grammatical mistakes or maqamat, yani, which take, yani, you know, a person giving it like almost like he's singing the Quran, all right, or yeah, taking it outside of his rules, or he changes the meaning, yeah, yeah, mostly, mostly with very poor grammar or sub. So, for example, the Sheikh says one of the lahans that would be a disaster is someone who says, "Ehdina sirat al-mustaqim, sirat al-ladina an'amtu alayhim." An'amtu alayhim is translated as, uh, "Oh Allah, guide me to the straight path." Ehdina sirat al-mustaqim, sirat al-ladina. The path of Alladina and Amta Alayhim of those people that I'm happy with. Not an Amta Alayhim, not those that you are happy with. This is a complete change of meaning. It's obligatory to say an Amta Alayhim. Yeah? So this is a wajib. Um, or he, for example, he changed the order, like I said. Alright? Or if he drops an ayah, for example, forgets an ayah in Fatiha. Right? Now, you'll see the scholars said Fatiha. Fatiha. Why? Because Fatiha is a rukun, it's an absolute essential part of the prayer. What if someone does this in the salah, uh, meaning in the surah, then they have not put it as an obligatory uh, fact. Why? Because it wasn't obligatory to recite in the first place. To recite a surah is not obligatory in the prayer. So if a person was to leave it, it's, it's not something which is obligated upon you. But it's good to remind the imam that, hey, yani you just forgot about this by indicating like that. Um, so that's the difference between obligatory and then the recommended the, the Fatih Mustahab, this is on 251 if anyone's following the Arabic text. He goes out, you know, for example, uh, the Imam, he forgets to recite a surah. Now this is tricky. Right? Let's say it's Maghrib. And the Imam says in Fatiha, Amin, first rak'ah. Then he goes, Allahu Akbar. Alright? Now in this position here, if you are quick enough before he goes to Ruku'ah, and you know, because you know, and therefore it requires knowledge of the jama'ah and the urf and the mosque and everything, that he's actually forgotten because he's never ever not recited a surah, then it's okay for you to say, subhanallah. Yeah, that this is not the third rak'ah, this is you're in the first rak'ah. Alright, so this would be something because this is you reminding them to follow the sunnah. Even though it's not obligatory, but you're reminding them to follow the sunnah, which is to recite a surah. Or for example, he starts reciting silently, okay? Which has happened to me loads of times, right? You lead a, a prayer, you're put forward as the imam, and you forget, actually, that you're leading the people in the prayer. So, uh, sometimes you might not recite out loudly, but at the very least, you might recite, but you don't do the takbirs, because you did, normally you say a takbir loudly for the benefit of the people behind you. So a person might say, subhanAllah. Subhanallah. Yeah, I need to, and so this would be a recommended one because it's not obligatory for me 
to have to say my takbir loudly for them. But it's recommended because I'm in the service of the people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Start reciting loudly, that would be an example. If the sunnah is to recite quietly, subhanallah. Okay? And that the imam would normally pick it up. Yani, what's happening? Because when everyone when hears that, you're already thinking. Yeah? So two things. I think you spoke about lahan during the adhan. You know, when okay, you yeah. And then the second thing is, uh, the, the Shaykh Mutaymin say, um, in that situation, do you, they would do, I know it's such a soul, which is completely different. Does he not say if an imam genuinely would recite so this we're going to come to later the issue of whether a person if he forgets to recite a surah which is not obligatory does he have to make a sajda sahu even though we know that the sajda sahu the prostration for forgetfulness which is not far away uh, is done only for obligatory matters that's going to have to come later okay now uh, here's something interesting uh, the reason why you are recommended not obligated but you are recommended to do it for these things even though it's not yeah, any essential matters, is because of the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, in the man mithlukum, I'm only a man just like yourselves, and I forget just like how you guys forget. So if I forget something, then remind me, inform me, make me aware of it. This hadith is narrated by Imam al-Bukhari in the chapter of um, Salah. And so therefore, the Imam is someone who needs to be helped. And like I mentioned last week though, that shouldn't be taken to a level where you basically are dominating the imam or just trying to prove yani, yourself over the imam, which unfortunately often happens. Now, it's a command, so is it an obligation? So the question is, um, you mean for the kiruni? Yeah, remind me. Yeah, for the kiruni is not a, uh, you're right, the, the, the wording of the, of the verb is, the, the, the base is indicating obligation. But as we said before, that every fi'l amr, okay, is, starts off as an obligation, and then context and surrounding ahadith and, and realities bring it down to that which is mustahab, based upon context, based upon urf, and so on and so forth. So the surrounding evidences make it clear to us that if we think in our better judgment not to mention anything because it will confuse people, for example, or cause fitna, then the fact that, th that these yani, uh, 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 nuances exist, Indicate that it's not so obligatory. Reasoning drops the obligation now. Yeah, reasoning drops the obligation the, and makes it recommended. And even the recommended nature, it can be dropped to permissible. And even that can be dropped to makru if you know a huge fitness is going to occur, etc. Okay? And also, the Prophet ﷺ, he once prayed and he got mixed up between something. And I mentioned this hadith when uh, the, uh, uh, he, he left the prayer. And, you know, he knew that something had happened. So he said to Ubay bin Ka'ab, As-salaytu ma'ana, did you actually, you know, he found him. He said, did you actually just pray with us right now? And he said, yes. Now, فَمَا مَنَعَكَ what, what, what prevented you then from correcting me? When I made this mistake, why did you not, yani, say anything? Yani, to, to correct me. So that's, yani, with respect to that. Yes. So, um, sometimes um, when you go into the masjid, people start following somebody who's already started yeah. What is the right way to let that person know that we are following you? Because that person, if they don't know, how do you, what is the right way to do it? You, you mean that if one person is praying by themselves and you want to be the second person to join that second person? Second or third person. Because yep. I've seen people start praying behind them, yep. but the person doesn't know. Even 
Yeah, so, okay, okay, okay. So, so, so the, 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 actually there is no correct way in that we don't have a specific instruction from the Prophet ﷺ that you tap this person first and that person afterwards, or you tap both shoulders, or you stand from the front and you pull them. We don't have anything like this. As for the scholars, they made it very clear what you should do. A brief tap and a brief tap. Just yani, an indication and the imam or the, the person recognizes the only reason someone is uh, you know, uh, uh, tapping you is to indicate something has changed. And most people understand that. And likewise, if there's a person already there standing together, a tap there indicates clearly, I want you to come back. And a tap there to the imam is uh, make an assessment of the place you're standing, you move forward. And we're going to come to that actually in, uh, uh, in this section in a second. Yeah, yeah. And if theoretically, if someone was praying with you, you were praying yourself, someone taps you, you said before you don't want to. Yes, yes. They say subhanAllah, yeah. what would you do? So what uh, Awais is referring to is, um, uh, we have covered this before, a couple of years ago, okay, which is if you're praying in a masjid by yourself, and maybe you're praying sunnah, okay, and someone comes in and they're assuming that you are praying fard, okay? Now, the truth is, is that this whole thing is a matter of difference of opinion. Is it permissible to pray behind a person who's praying something else, but you make the intention for something else. So he's praying the sunnah of Zuhr, and you come in wanting to pray Asr. Okay? Or even obligatory Zuhr, for example. Yeah? And a number of scholars don't allow this. A number of scholars do not allow differing niyas. And others do. And therefore, um, out of respect for this Yani reality, I'm not a big fan of people just going in unrestricted into a masjid. And you do find some people, and they just look to any person standing, they just tap them and say, I'm going to pray with you. Like a bit irresponsible, a bit kind of desperate kind of thing. You know, not making some kind of investigation, asking, you know, hey, is this guy praying, whatever. Even though, in fairness, there are scholars that you don't need to ask. And I'm, I, I accept that as a valid opinion. Your intention is your intention and whatever. But I don't, myself, if I'm praying sunnah, I'm out of the way praying I'm not making any la, la, uh, sounds of takbir when I'm going you know, up and down. It's clear I'm not playing obligatory. The time indicates it's not an obligatory time. I want to enjoy my prayer by myself. I'm not obligated to be an imam. So if someone comes and I think of being irresponsible and just tap me on the shoulder and stand next to me, I am not obligated to say, Allahu Akbar, Sami Allahu liman hamida. And I do. I carry on with my prayer. Now what Oasis is saying is that if I stood, someone stood next to me, and following my, my signal, and he's thinking, why is my man not saying Allahu Akbar when I'm standing right next to him? Can I say to him, SubhanAllah, <laughs> in my ear like, SubhanAllah, do you have to kind of now take him on? And the answer is no. Just like, by the way, if we're all praying behind the Imam, and we all say, SubhanAllah, the imam is not obligated to change. It's only if he doubts. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Yeah? Imam doesn't need to. Imam knows. For, how many times, for example, we discussed this last week, how many times is the imam reciting warsh, for example, or qalun, a different qira'ah, and all the pakis behind him are like, maliki yawmiddin. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, he's the hafiz and qari, and he knows all the qura'ah, and he knows... And all of them are kind of yeah, up in arms. What's he meant to do? 
change yani, because they're ignorant people? So what I mean is that sometimes the Imam knows that he's right. Okay, and he doesn't have to. And again, you know, look at this left field connection. It's all about VAR, right? Okay. <laughs> it all comes back to football. The problem is, is that everybody's a judge these days. So here, what's VAR is the people thinking that they got a system that fixes the problem. And just like VAR, VAR at the moment, you know, cause huge fitna and everyone's confused and angry and all the rest of it, okay? And despite the fact that it's more accurate than possible now to be able to ascertain, they still can't solve the situation. And actually, they did an analysis, and the analysis was that before VAR, the ref, he was getting 97% of decisions right, which is an incredible result. 3% error. We take that every day of the week. The Imam is the same. The Qadi is the same. Even if he has a 50% success rate, that means that he's getting the majority of his decisions right. 51%, 50%, getting the majority of decisions right. The Prophet ﷺ has got him covered. He said that the Qadi, which means the Imam, the scholar, the judge, the Mufti, the people who are in authority, if they give a statement, ruling, make a decision, whatever, and they get it right, they get two rewards. If they get it wrong, one reward. So they're never wrong. They will never make a mistake which causes a problem. So when the Imam afterwards, he turns around, he says, what were you guys thinking? He goes, listen, everybody goes, trust me, you did five. And I go, no, no, I did four, here's the reason. And that's why I didn't listen to you. They go, look, we'll prove it. And they go, da, 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 da. He goes, you know, a good point. What happens? He'll just turn around, he'll go, Allah Akbar, you just said, job done. If he refuses, then that's game over. Would they? No, they don't have to do it. Unless they know for certain. If they know for certain they did it, then that's permissible. And there's some discussion around that as well. Now, on the point where the Imam, um, you know that the uh, part of the congregation says, SubhanAllah, so the Imam gets up for the fourth rak'ah from Maghrib, but you know he's done three. Yeah. And he's, he doesn't know, so he gets up for the fourth. Yes. You knowing he's done three. What yes. Do this is a good question, right? Praying Maghrib, okay. And after the third rak'ah, Imam stands up for the fourth. And we all know that it's the fourth. And we stay seated. And we say, subhanAllah, subhanAllah. And we go, subhanAllah. Because he just keeps going up and standing. He's like, I'm not interested. Do you stay seated or do you stand up? What do you think? Stand up. Stay seated because you know it's wrong. Both positions have been supported by scholars. The majority and the correct opinion, according to my opinion, is that you stand up. Why would you put that stress upon yourself? If the Imam is... You, yani, find a fight with anyone except the Imam. Because <laughs> you will never be able to win in a fight against the Imam. Because I just told you, if he gets wrong, he gets yani, one reward. If he gets it right, he gets... So what, what are you going to do? You're not getting anything rewarded out of this. So what are you fighting for? Stand up. Afterwards, do his best yani, that you didn't listen to us. Okay? You are proven right. He will say, you know what? You're right. And he's going to do sin. And he has no sin. And he was covered all the way. What did you gain? Out of you? And he's sitting there and challenging his authority. Blah, blah, blah. Causing fitna. Blah, blah, blah. As opposed to accepting that the guy is making a mistake and showing him afterwards he made a mistake. And everybody gets off and everybody recognizes we all have been making mistakes. So definitely you stand up. But you understand that there's a discussion. Right. Um, the questions online. Let's just come down a bit. Wa alaikum salam. Good to see you. 
Um, come down from the bottom. Is there, are there any questions no, below? First? Okay. So Imran says, is the recitation of 10, 100, and 1,000 verses that night specific for tahajjud salah or even recitation without prayer? This is a good question, right? Is it limited to the salah itself? Maybe someone can't stand that long. Okay? Or maybe someone, you know, whatever. Answer is, is that it's not limited to the tahajjud prayer, but it is limited to the night prayer. See, tahajjud is more specific than the night prayer. The night prayer is bigger, tahajjud is uh, smaller. Tahajjud means you go to sleep and then you wake up, the most difficult form of night prayer. Whereas Qiyamul Layl, which is a night prayer, can also be done by not going to sleep. You know, like what we do in summertime, right? Man's nausea and in a couple of hours is going to be Fajr anyway. Might as well stay awake and then, uh, you know, knock out a cheeky two rakah. And that's yani, Qiyamul Layl, that's not Tahajjud. Whereas in wintertime, as I said the other day, we should really make an effort to pray Tahajjud, right? Fajr is fighting at 6.30, something crazy like that, all right? People are having to go to work and school anyway. So might as well wake up at 6 o'clock. It's still, still a good result. And you can get two, four raka'ah in. And that's a tahajjud prayer. So this reward, Allahu A'lam, needs to be in a night prayer of either qiyamul layl or tahajjud. Right, let's move on. It is permissible to lubs Lubs from libas to put on. Thawb here is this what I'm wearing at the moment in modern language. In old school, it means any type of clothes, even a cloth, which is acting like clothes. You know, the concept of fitted clothing was very rare. All right? All of this kind of luxury of being able to have, you know, uh, so, so, no, the, the, what's, what's the seams uh, and stitching and all this, that, whatever, you know, this is luxury behavior. They'd have a cloth. I told you about this before, that cloth would be the same as your kefen, your shroud. It would be the same that you would eat on. It would be an to use and it would be wrapped around. And here's the irony. The ihram is genuinely a set of clothes, right? Those who come to Al-Hajj and Umrah with me, you'll know yani, that I think it's completely unfair and biased towards Bengalis and Somalis, okay? Because they're chilling all the way. They love that whole ihram behavior. They're used to all that kind of, you know, going commando, having lungi on, yeah, and uh, whatever. Whereas yeah, any normal human beings like the rest of us, yeah, we need something there, don't we? It's murder. We get killed, right? So that type of clothing, which is, you know, waist wrapper and, you know, shoe on the top, is actually some cultures, some people's standard normal clothing. Certainly back at the time of the, of the Prophet Sallallahu so many times, you know, one of the, there's a narration in Bukhari, I think it's, yeah, Jabir, yeah. Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu an. <laughs> he's, he's in the, I don't know where he is. I don't, he could have been in the masjid, you know. But I doubt it. I think he's at home. One of the tabi'een, he, uh, 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 this author is sahih. Um, he says that, um, that so, I forgot the name of the tabi'een. So-and-so went up to uh, Jabir who was praying in one thawb. Now one thawb, when you hear that, means just basically praying in a towel, basically. A towel wrapped around your thingy, so your sutra is covered. You know, your sutra. Your, um, your aura from your uh, belly button to your knees. Okay? Basically, that's covered. Shoulders uncovered. Alright? And he said that, uh, uh, listen, don't you have any enough clothes or, or whatever? Yeah, uh, you know, that you can uh, pray or whatever. So he says, uh, after the prayer, 
He says, no, I have, uh, you see on the clothes rack, that I have a thobe right there, actually, that I can have put the second one on. But I did this to show fools like you that it's allowed to pray in one cloth. Hardcore like that. That is how serious it would get. Like, you know, and that's why Bukhari has a whole chapter on the issue of the covering of the shoulders in the prayer. It's actually, according to a number of scholars, and certainly my own personal opinion, it is permissible to uh, pray, this hadith is, is, is an evidence in itself, to pray with your shoulders uncovered. Yeah? Then it comes to whether it is recommended or not to cover both shoulders or one shoulder or whatever. And it's no doubt, you should know, that as we covered in this chapter of uh, clothes, that it is recommended to cover your body as much as possible in the prayer. But let's assume that you haven't got enough on or whatever. What actually is allowed in the prayer? What are the scenarios that would afflict people? Again, remember, they don't have money. They don't have luxury. They are a lot of the time struggling to find clothes. So I want you to think in this kind of manner. Think of the clothes that they had before. Then you'll understand the issue. So for example, um, Sheikh says that if the wearing of a set amount of clothes is that which is obligatory, then it is obligatory to put that on in the prayer. Example, you're naked. Now, you will know, we covered it before, that if a person, for example, has his clothes stolen, yeah, gone for a little dip in the, in the local whatever, yeah, and someone nicked his clothes, right? I, I think that happens, what, every couple of weeks here in Birmingham or something like that, I don't know. <laughs> especially, especially in wintertime. But let's imagine that you're out on the camping, whatever, and someone has taken your clothes. And it's Salah time. And it's Salah time. What do we say always happens? What do you do? No. The first thing that you do is to look to the prayer. Can it be combined with the next one? If the prayer, so if it's a dhuhr, you always know I've got a couple of hours on my side. Because I have a genuine reason to not pray within dhuhr time. I've got another two hours of asr as well. I'm going to combine this to find me some clothes or make me some kind of, you know, some Robinson Crusoe behavior. And I get in there and get funky with some leaves and whatever, yeah? You've got some time and opportunity to do that. But let's say that you know it's, it's, it's not going to happen. It's obligatory for you to pray as you are. And the scholars, they discussed amongst themselves how you would pray. You should sit down and you should cover yourself as much as possible. And the whole prayer would be in this kind of manner. And that's what would happen. Now, if you came across some clothes. So, for example, someone came and put some clothes next to you. Or you saw, or you know what, you didn't concentrate at the time. And then you suddenly you open your eyes, and this is why you, you need to pray with your eyes open. And you opened your eyes, and next to you saw like a sheet. Yeah? What the author is saying is that it's allowed to put clothes on. What Shaykh Uthameen is saying is says, no, it's obligatory for you in your prayer to grab that, even if it was a couple of steps, even if it meant opening up a, a packet, even if it meant all this action, and put it on, cover your aura, and you carry on praying. You do not break your prayer. And the whole point of this is to show you that if there is a need, you are allowed to move in the prayer. That, of course, is what we're covering. We're covering the whole issue of moving and action, uh, action activity, uh, and actions in the prayer. So, so he, will, he will put that on. Um, and we don't say, for example, that you know, it is something which is... Uh, 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 that your state of nakedness has invalidated the prayer. No. And we don't also say you must start your prayer again because that goes against the hadith. Of which hadith? Which hadith would it go against? The death and the 
Correct. The hadith where Jibreel came to the Prophet whilst they, he and the companions were praying with their shoes on, their, their slippers. And suddenly the companions see the Prophet take his slippers off whilst in the prayer. And so they all took it off as well. And the Prophet after the prayer turned around and said, why did you take your slippers off? And they said, Ya Rasulullah, we saw you take your, your slippers off. And then the Prophet said, no, but Jibreel came to me and said to me that my slippers had some najasa on it. Qadar, yani, some najasa. So I uh, took it off. You guys should have continued. There was no problem with yours. The key legal point here is that the Prophet continued praying. He had prayed all that time with najasa. He knew that he had prayed with najasa and yet he carried on. You are praying naked. You know you are praying naked. The clothes come. You carry on even though you knew that the previous part of the prayer was naked. Because either there was a need or you were not aware, etc, etc, etc. Legal excuse allows you to do that. Okay? Um, so this is indicating that if there is a must, a need, then you must also do it. Okay? But what about if there isn't a need? What about if your aura is covered? What if your bare minimum is covered? Is it allowed to put something on? Shaykh, let's ask a question. You said the Prophet knew. Surely he didn't know that there was najasa. No, I'm saying that after he was told. He was yeah? He didn't repeat the prayer. So, recommended, the answer to it. It could be recommended, it depends. If a person's really, really cold and they're praying like tahajjud or whatnot. What would the basis be? There's a need. What's the basis of that need? What is the need? That they're feeling cold and they want to keep control of their khushu. So they say, you know what, I grab it and carry on praying rather than breaking the prayer. You heard that? Yeah? He's saying that he feel, if someone feels cold. It depends on the cold. If obviously they're freezing, it's very different to after a little bit cold. I can get finish the prayer and whatnot. And okay, let's just say a little bit cold. But there's a need because we know, in this, you know, there's a difference between necessity and need. If there's a need, some things are allowed. Obviously, if it's a complete necessity, like for example, if so allowed is well, I'm not asking about allowed. I'm saying mustahab, something which is recommended. No, Sheikh Uthami says something interesting. He says that. If a person's fully clothed or, you know, clothed enough, enough, and it's cold, it doesn't matter how cold it is, it's not killer though, okay? It is, and the cold is disturbing him from focus in the prayer. And so he, say, he knows that if I put something on, I'll be able to focus on the prayer. Then to put on that jacket which is there, close, within a couple of steps or whatever, is permissible. We're talking inside the prayer couple of steps, grab the jacket, put it on, okay? It's, it's recommended, beg your pardon, it's recommended to do that because it will allow him to focus on his prayer, which is what the prayer is meant to be for, and to have khushu', which is what you're obligated to do, etc. However, if it's just for the cold, then it is allowed. So it's three levels that we've just described so far. Obligated, Recommended and simply allowed. No reward for doing it. No, not rewarded. Remember, when something is recommended, it means that you are rewarded for actually putting that jacket on because you're doing something. It's like the same ruling as before the prayer. You know, 10 minutes before that in this prayer, I'm going to recite this particular surah. And for those 10 minutes, you read an English translation of that surah so you can connect to it better. And then you pray using that surah. What you did for the 10 minutes beforehand is an act of ibadah that you get reward for. You get what I'm saying? Likewise, why? Because you're going to be more involved in the prayer. 
What about now, when you put on this coat, you're going to be more comfortable? I'm not thinking about all this, whatever, get over and done with, etc., etc. No, I'm comfortable, etc. So this is uh, an example of that. And to also wrap one's turban. Now, if you have a turban and it often comes loose, it is permissible for you to tie it back up again. Likewise, you'll see the Arabs with their shamar, the, you know, the tea cloth, you know? Yeah? So, you know, you'll find those folks, they're all up like this behavior and all the rest of it. Now, we need to be able to try to understand the balance here. The one that we're probably as packs, mostly packs, or non-Arabs, I should say, are more common with, are with hats falling off, for example. Now, you all have been there. Especially, I suppose, when you're youth, when you're told that if you don't wear a hat, you're dead, yeah? But obviously, when you're older, people don't care. But if you're younger and your hat falls off in Salah, you know that it's all about... It's an incredible skill, by the way, to be in that direction with your head and balance the hat on. And then you get up without the hat falling off. Because you know, you just need to get it up to this level. Then you'll settle it. Yeah? So every man's been there. Now, the idea is, is that why is it that... And there are some Pakistani out there that they're in sajda, they will take the hat, they leave their head there, and they take the hat and they put it on properly. You know, hands off fully. Now, here's the thing. According to this, that's permissible. According to this statement, it's permissible. Where does it even come from? Where's the idea come from? What's going on in actual fact? I want you to think of it like this. First of all, is it allowed to move in the prayer for a need? Yes. How far are we going to go to, de to define need? Subjective. And what levels of subjectivity, what are we going to use as our calibrator? And the answer is, obviously, we've got to try and find some religious anything to allow it. And then after that, it's going to be what our cultural, what our cultural understands. We have a hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, okay, hadith of Wa'il ibn Hujar radiallahu anhu, and the Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sallah, فَرَفْعَ يَدَيْهِ عِنْدَ تَكْبِيرَةِ الْإِحْرَامِ ثُمَّ إِلْتَحَفَ بِثَوْبِهِ ثُمَّ وَضَعَ يَدَهُ الْيُمْنَى عَلَى الْيُسْرَى فَلَمَّا أَرَادَ أَنْ يَرْكَ أَخْرَجَ يَدَيْهِ مِنَ الثَّوْبِ ثُمَّ رَفَعَهُمَا ثُمَّ كَبَّرَ فَرَكَعَ This is something, this hadith by the way, is narrated by uh, Imam Muslim in the chapter of prayer, hadith number 401. This is something I'm very used to uh, back in the day, uh, or not back in the day, when I go back home to Swat and uh, those uh, uh, areas. You know how we, when we're frozen, we wear the big chadar. And when you've got big chadar, you know that your hands are lost forever. <laughs> Isn't it? So you'll see that the, that the patans or those who wear, for example, big chadar, they will start off with their hands outside. This is exactly what the hadith states. The Prophet ﷺ, he went, Allahu Akbar, and then he put his hands, and then he put them inside his thawb. And his thawb here means the big chadar, basically, or whatever he was wearing on the outside. Keep them inside so he keeps them warm. Alright? And the, the Wa'il said that he remained like that, right hand on left hand, so it couldn't have been big and thing. He could see the structure, whether he could see through it, or whether he could see the shape of the right and left. But he said, because this, this hadith is narrated in the chapter of placing the right hand on the left hand. And the scholars, obviously, they take one hadith and they use it in a completely different way as well. That's fiqh, obviously. Yeah? So, and he said that when he was wanting to make ruku'ah, he would take his hands out and go Allahu Akbar and then go to Ruku'ah. Which indicates that there's a little bit of, you know, there's a bit, a little bit of give and take allowed in the movements. Because this is extra, isn't it, all this behavior? And, you know, and, you know, so the idea is, is that 
if you are looking to stay warm or looking to stay comfortable or looking to stay mentally stable, now this is really important, mentally stable in the prayer, then a little bit of movement is allowed. Now, we cuss, yani, you know, I don't know about you, I cuss, right? Saudis day and night for their, or not even Saudis, Gulf Arabs, the day and night they're with their thingies and they're moving it like this and like this. And they have a, you know, a, 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 an iron thing like that. You know, like that. And you'll see them going like that, like that, and the prayer, then they go like that again, just to make sure it's still there, not gone. Yeah, then they'll do it again, and then they'll, they'll arrange it here, arrange it there. That's a madness. The whole prayer is up and down, up and down. However, as Sheikh Uthameen says, it's acceptable before they go for sajda to, you know, they've got two loose ends, to throw that one back and that one back. Yeah, it's a move that throws that back because then when you go for sajda, it doesn't hang. And he also says that, you know, the, 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 the front part, which is here, they sometimes fold it back. Alright, they fold it back so they can make an uninterrupted sajda and it's not kind of coming down and all the rest of it. This is a minimal movement, which is what the people do to not get disturbed. What the people don't do is to play with the whole thing all the way through. And so this is the version of the same guy who has an imama on, which we know that the Prophet used to like, not necessarily as part of the prayer, but that was his thing. And if it comes undone, yeah, then, you know, it's here, it's all over the place. So it's allowed for a person in the prayer to just, you know, hold on to it and tuck it in. And hijab, for example, becomes loose. Just adjust it, tuck it back. This is the level of movement which is allowed in the prayer because to not have it is like you're thinking about it all the time. And it's really stressing you out and it takes you away from the main purpose of the prayer. The main, what the, what the imam is trying to present to you guys is that you know what? Movement isn't the big prohibition that you think it is. The movement which is prohibited is the flapping around in the prayer. But that which is done for a need, for a focused Muslim who's invested in the prayer, it's allowed. Yes? It could be argued. However, when it comes to clothing, we know that more clothing in the prayer is better. Could someone not argue back that the Prophet ﷺ could also not have worn that scarf? And obviously the Prophet ﷺ wore it, so it's permissible for us to, to wear something which we Yeah, it, um, although he could argue back as well to say that that was because it was cold. Yeah, and we do know the Prophet ﷺ, they said we saw him in prostration and we saw the whiteness of his armpits, which is only possible if you're wearing literally a sleeveless type of cut sleeve uh, thole. So it's not just that, you know, he does wear minimum clothes as well sometimes, which we know that the clothes are down to the time, money, ability. No. But, but, but he doesn't say every rak'ah. The, the idea, by the way, of someone doing that normally is that they do it at such an acute angle that it normally sticks. It normally doesn't move. And this is the point. He says that we can't put a measurement on this all the people know their system so for example the packs maybe they might just adjust their topi like this i know for example when i pray this every after when i stand up i just need to just adjust like this and that's it nothing else i carry on so every people knows that there's a minimal movement which is not excessive in the bigger scheme of things wider scheme of things and no one who's watching the golden rule thinks i'm outside of the prayer everybody can see i'm still within the prayer i'm not doing something uh, excessive. Yeah, these all, this is all permissible, yes? Permissible. So if a person but in the 
وصدى للأخرى فإنه لا بأس به أيضا لأن كل هذه من ألبسة المعتادة فلا تعد كفا خارجا عن العادة ولهذا التحف النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بردائه كما سبق يعني the point is, is that this action of the Prophet allows this little bit of flexibility when it comes to adjusting the clothes and obviously we've got to be careful here it's obvious because we don't want to open up the whole kind of you know because uh, men they love doing this behavior if they have a long beard so stroking the beard order what the hell is that you know this oh, because it makes me feel better you can't black that much so that so that's why by the way madahib in general and when you're young you don't get taught this nuance you're told you move you're dead <laughs> you put the hat on don't even think about anything else put it on tight this that whatever don't want it you know and it, and then they might when you get older they'll say right you got three strikes and then you're out you move three times it's game over and that's how you break it down to young people and that's fair enough and that will continue and it's the right system to apply what we're teaching now is nuance for people who are older practicing understand the bigger game now you got the phenomenon now when people's shirts are usually too low so when they're going to ruku or into sujood whatever they raise a bit back then um, so there's the laws from shuffling around as well yes so obviously, as uh, Uthman said, there has to be some preparation for the prayer. Yeah, and a person going into the prayer knowing that his t-shirt's too short, and it's, just, it's a risky one, it's on the level, every ruku' is a touch and go of how much backside is going to be showing, and how much of a crocatastrophe is going to be. <laughs> That's a madness, isn't it? You can't be going in like that. You've got to be going in knowing that whatever happens is covered. And so that's just, you know, maybe a person's sinful for that if he's being very, very lackadaisical with that. Now, once he's in there, maybe he didn't realize, maybe he thought it was all good. But then he forgot, for example, that, you know, he didn't have his belt, for example, and his trouser is lower than his shirt normally would be. And therefore, he's having to adjust in the prayer. You know, he's having to do things. That's allowed. That's allowed. Yes, no, no, that's, that's, the, that's the perfect example of a person who is allowed to go and put clothes on. Now, what does that mean? How would you practically do that? If, you, if I am standing where I am right now, and, and I'm two meters away from the uh, stand, or I'm in my bedroom and the door is there, okay? So if I'm praying in the bedroom, and the bedroom door is behind me, but I know, but I know that it's about two meters away, and it's the second one on the hook. Everybody knows what, what's up there. And now I, with my hands like this, take two steps backwards, and then my right hand goes, and I'm still looking at my the point. I take the thobe off, and I bring it to where I am right now. And then, whilst the is still maintaining my position, focus, whatever, whatnot, I then put it over my head. Anybody who was, remember what we said, when is movement too, too much? When someone walking past was to spot you and think, this guy's no way is he praying. Right? And he's doing something else. Now, if you are to put on a thobe in a controlled, measured way where you are in a weird-looking kind of manner, this is indicating you're not chilling and doing it like you normally would. And that is the example of where it would be recommended. You entered the prayer, you messed up, you forgot how short your t-shirt is. This is what you would do. That's what's allowed in the prayer. You get what I'm saying? Now, by the way, in the Arab countries and in Malaysia, the packs are not used to this behavior, so let me tell you, when you go in and you see, there's someone who's sitting here, by the way, who went into a mosque of some brothers of ours, Yanis, that belong to a different creed altogether. You know when you walk into a packed mosque, 
you know, pack moss, proper pack moss, yeah? There's a basket at the front and it's full of? Sawpeat. You take that sawpeat and you put it on the basket service and on your way out, you, pl you re replace it. That's in a pack mosque. In our brothers from, for example, where certain one of our people, and he prayed with in the masjid the other day, okay, that basket is full of rocks. Okay? Now, that's because they are Shia. And the Shia believe that you need to make such that. Now, I'm, I'm just saying one of our brothers was there. He, this is his reporting. This is his telling me that yeah, instead of the hats, it was rocks, some big ones as well. All right? And you go and you, whatever. Now, if you are in Malaysia and you walk in, okay? You, <laughs> that's not bad, that word, don't you? You're so wrong. Right? So, that basket is full of nope that's if you're going to a tourist mosque that's good i like that that's the third category if you will go into one of the big istanbul mosques or cairo mosques or the thingy then you see hijabs yeah for yani miskina you know beatrice and for mary who are in just for chill yani and they've been told they've got to wear hijab and all the rest of it and they put on yani this thing and they're holding it like that yeah so that's the third one in malaysia though it's just straight out cloths. Lungis, basically. And that's in the men's section, not in the women's section. So because they are, even if they, so even if you're wearing a trouser, or a three quarters, yep, and you have got a t-shirt on, and you're fully done, everybody's expected to pick that up and wrap it around themselves. Now I'm sure you must have seen this when you go to Dubai Mall, for example. If you go to Dubai Mall, well, no, I'm, don't, I'm telling you lot, boy, and, uh, you, you lot in Dubai Mall or in the various malls in the Arab countries, when you go into the men's section, you will see young men, Arab men mostly, they're praying with a, a sarong around them. And you can see it's been put on on top of their trousers and on top, whatever, adding that extra level of respect in this area, in the sutra, in the, what's the sutra, man? Well, the aura area, okay? And they add that. In Malaysia, it's the same, all right? And, um, yeah, and, you know, you step into it and then you, you got to, you know, obviously, I remember once I went in and I was in that same scenario and the old man, he said to me, deal with it. <laughs> so I looked at this thing, I didn't know what the hell to do with it. I didn't know what was going on. Me, like a, the lavanda, I was trying to wrap it around me, not step in, innit? I didn't realize. So it wasn't long enough, was it? My beard was out here, innit? Yeah. So I was trying to think and it's only then when they couldn't go around me that I realized when I looked at it, it's, it opens up, doesn't it? You're meant to step into it. So then I stepped into it. Now, when you step into it, if it's a towel, then it's, you know, you get the one end and you tuck it in. But it's seamed. Lala, it was a circle. Wrap it around, do what? I couldn't do it because it's lifting from the other side, isn't it? So I put it in, and I wrapped it around, and as you, when you try to wrap that bad boy around, it lifts from the bottom. Anyway, I couldn't make it work at a customer. I was like, what the hell? And there was no one there. It was a rough time. It was late. Also, nobody there. So I don't know what I was doing. So then I just kind of, what I did is I kind of pulled it, and I kind of made a knot. It was a mission, bro. Mission. All because to keep Baba happy. I was right. I had a long t-shirt and everything. Yeah, any, what, what example? Uh, I have a 
I would like a Coke, like we used to when we were kids. <laughs> you know I do that now, by the way, if I get too hot. Well, what would the reasoning be? I don't know. They're not talking about the folding of the clothes, though. Yeah, so the question, this is good, very good. So you know, so you know how you, you got your jacket on, and you know, it's not like an expensive one that Lala wears, but the simple stuff like we wear, okay? So you'd, you'd, uh, you'd you know, you tie it around yourself, yeah? The, the arms become the tie, and uh, that's it. Now, is that allowed to do? The answer is yes. Uh, Away said, but wouldn't that be, for example, going against a hadith which prohibits doing that? Now, what does the hadith prohibit? The hadith prohibits you doing this. Okay? This is not something which is allowed whilst you go into the prayer. Okay? Like into the prayer like this. Uh, um, because the people who do this are normally doing it because they don't want, when they go to sajda, for their sleeves to get dirty. And the companions and the Prophet ﷺ said everything must yani, make sajda. Alright? That's why you shouldn't roll up trousers. That's why you shouldn't roll up sleeves. That's why if you've got hair which is loose, you don't suddenly tie it up just for the, for the salah. Yani, you know, because I don't want it to get dirty. Everything needs to be untied. And the companions sometimes in extreme cases used to untie these things in the prayer. Most of the time after the person finished the prayer, they would say, why are you doing that? Everything should make sajda. So the reason it doesn't apply here is because you tying your jacket around here is not you preventing it from making sajda. Likewise, if a person went to make wudu, I think I covered this anyway. And you, un, you do this, right? And you came back and you forgot, right? Or even if you didn't forget, you don't need to uh, uncover the thingy because this was not lifted up in order for it not to touch on the floor, but rather for to make wudu properly. So a little bit different. It does go in the intention, absolutely. The intention is a very, very important role here. Right. Huh? Well, you see, you see, a lot of people, they do that. Now, I, 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 it, it, is, it is important for me to say that my uh, position when it comes to isbal, okay, is that the uh, isbal, by the way, is trousers underneath the ankles, right? Or not just trousers, anything underneath the ankles. And you'll know that there's a big pressure that things should not be underneath the ankles for males, yeah? And they should be high up. Um, now you know that the Muslims in all their cultures packs with the shalwar, okay? They they lift it up from the you know from the waist, yeah, and some even fold it up. Or well, that's most people with trousers and all the rest of it. Um, but they don't do that in normal life because they're embarrassed, aren't they? They don't like that look. Yeah, they do it for prayer only. They think that it's only in prayer that you should do it. You get you know what I'm talking about, yeah? And. Here's the, here's the irony. If you believe that you have to lift your trouser above your ankle, it's not allowed to do it in that manner. All right? Or it's risky, at least from the hadith of the issue of folding up your clothes. If you're going to do it, then you should do it from your trouser. You should, from your waist, which doesn't touch the floor anyway. And so that your trouser goes, lifts up, as opposed to you rolling the trouser up, if you're going to. However, in my opinion, isbal is something which does not apply to trousers, okay? Or the shalwar, in the shalwar kameez. Only what I'm wearing, this is a thawb, all right? Um, is what I believe isbal applies to. Because when a person wears trousers, it being longer doesn't make you more respected. And it's not a sign of pride and arrogance, and neither is in the shalwar either. But in a thawb, 
It used to be and it still is right now as well. Those who like to give it a big in, they still make it as long as possible. Lots of cloth flowing all over the place. And so they kind of make it, you know, as a sign. And they look down upon people yani, who are lifting it. And also the hadith do not refer to trousers. The hadith refers to uh, thawb. All right. Now thawb, as I said, is not necessarily this or izar rather is not necessarily talking what I'm wearing, but it's definitely not trousers. Yeah, which has two uh, openings, two legs or whatever. Let's do some um, online uh, questions, then we'll come back into the game. Right, so, Thaqib says, If the Imam accidentally starts reciting in Jahr, in the Zuhr or Asr Jama'ah, how is he to be corrected? So, starts reciting out loud in Zuhr and Asr. The answer is, say, SubhanAllah, that's it. And if he carries on, not a problem. The prayer is, is correct. Okay, he just didn't do the recommended act of staying silent or reciting silently. Sorry, what happens when the Imam misses one in Taraweeh? Did you just do that there? You sick guy? Okay, what happens when the Imam misses one? You mean Raka'ah? Yeah, Raka'ah. Okay, so likewise, same. Yani he's missing a Raka'ah, he sits down after one, subhanallah, subhanallah. Okay, and hopefully he realizes and he stands up. If he doesn't, and he gives a salam. You said to him, by the way, Imam, this is what you did. He will normally ask, is that true? There'll be a kind of little vote. And then if it is, he would then stand up. He would go, Allahu Akbar, pray one more raka'ah. Then there would be sajda sahum at the end of that. Can one who is not praying with the Imam correct the Imam? Very good. All right. Now the difference here with you being outside of the prayer is that you are not restricted in what you say or do. So you are allowed to correct the Imam. You are allowed to correct the Imam. Because you're, the, the reason why I said it doesn't work the other way around is because you are restricted in the prayer. Outside of the prayer, you're unrestricted. You can say, speak, do what you want. In actual fact, you'll find that this kind of, um, you know, communicating with the uh, person who's praying is something which is quite flexible, right? Uh, your mom, surely, I'm sure you, she's done that to you all the time. Come up to you and slap you in the prayer, and why have you not done wudu? Yeah? Because you know that we'd stand and pray without wudu all the time. We're blagging it. And she comes back whilst you're praying and she, you know, rubs your feet to see if they're wet or not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah? We've all been there. What are you hating for? Trying to make out like you're all angels. Right. So that's something, you know, it's, it's quite relaxed. Is the, is the ruling the same as that of a fartra? Yes, that is. Okay. Ijlal. Ijlal. He goes, Aslam alaikum, Shaykh and Usman lala. Okay. Sheikh, if you have prayed the fard prayer already alone and then you got a chance to pray in Jama'ah, do you pray again? Yes, it's recommended. You get the reward for that. It's a nafal prayer. It's not obligatory though for you to pray again. Salan says, you ended your reply to Imran by saying that the recitation needs to be in tahajjud otherwise in a night prayer. However, how about or even recitation without a prayer as he asked about? For half of the, for half of the population, this is a key issue. And by that, Salanj is referring to someone who is menstruating. Okay? Because if they're menstruating, then they can't uh, pray. Right? But they can recite the Quran. So the answer to this is that the evidences all indicate that this is only for the prayer, regardless yani, for a woman or a man. The bigger question that Salange is, is should be asking, or she is actually asking, is that are you saying therefore that women miss out on this reward? And what's the answer to that? Why not? If she does it all the time, yes. and her missing it once, yes. her or even five days, or even ten days, because uh, illness is normally not a one day. Correct. 
The hadith of the Prophet وسلم, states clearly that if a person is uh, habitual in an act and then they are stopped during the act because they are ill, so they fast regularly but they can't because they're ill, or they do qiyamulal but they can't ill, it's every day that they are ill, it is written full for them that they do that act. So the sisters do not miss out at all. In actual fact, it's a buzz because they're giving obligatory time off. They but they've got to do it. You know what I mean? You can't have it for free. You know what I'm saying? Took everything else yeah, from us for free. You know what I mean? We're all man up yeah, when the women are not around. Alhamdulillah, it's nice because normally my wife is sitting there and you know, I'm always looking at her before I say something. So now it's okay. Right. Can you please... Uh, da -da -da -da. Can you please explain that is it allowed or is it fine to make tashahud? Salam and do sajdahu in case you already did it. Is it allowed to make tashahud, salam, and then do sajdahu in case you already did it? I don't know what you mean by already did it, but yes, it is allowed to make sajdahu by giving the salam and then doing it. That's fine. We're going to come to that in a couple of weeks, okay? What about if a person in prayer notices najis on his, on his pants and a few steps away there are a, a, a pair of clean pants? See, the problem here is pants means different things. <laughs> Okay, so he's, he's in England, he's a shahid, he's, uh, he's from uh, Oldham. So you know, bro, that you saying pants, yeah, you know that that's not happening. Because man has to get nangat then to change his pants. How are you doing that in the prayer? But if that's America, then pants it means trousers. So if it's possible, actually both is not possible. What am I talking about? But both, that's a disaster. You can't go into a worse situation. That, that's the scenario where you have to stop the prayer. It's one of those rare ones where you have to stop the prayer. Okay? And you would break the prayer and change the clothes and you, are, you have to start again because you have broken the actual prayer. Uh, with the permissibility to move in the prayer where there is a need, are there any limits to that movement that will break your prayer such as facing away from the qibla or any others? For example, moving away from the, your chest away. And that answer is good. And the answer to that is that it is actually allowed to turn around and, and, and you know, look or do something. But it's all got to be done within the parameters of a person trying to make themselves look like they're praying at all times. Without doing the full 360, without turning around so much, using the hands, using a slight turn, you know, like maybe doing this kind of thing, you know, like that. Minimizing a full turn away. And even if they had to do that, then it's not a major issue. When one misses a raka'ah or two, when joining the jama'ah at the masjid, what is the correct way of making up the raka'ah? Does he read the durood and dua when sitting in the last raka'ah with the imam? And the answer to that, according to myself, is that there is no such thing as silence in the prayer. And so if you join the prayer late, then you carry on as if you are praying that normally. So you do read the durood, then you do read the dua, and you do make your dhikr until the imam says, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. When you don't, you just sit there, wait. That's the same, well, it's not totally the same, but it's similar to the person who comes to the masjid late and sees that they've, done, uh, they've gone for ruku' and then he's missed the ruku' so he stands there and he goes, you lot do your sajda, you're going to stand up anyway, right? So I'm just going to stand right here and then I'll join you when you stand up, which is disgraceful. Allahu Akbar, go straight down into uh, uh, sajda. Yes, it's pointless if you're thinking from a time point of view, but the salah is all there for you to be making dhikr and dua, and in that sajda you also make dua. So likewise, yeah. <coughs> uh, as Ibn Uthameen said, in regards to wearing clothes surplus to the minimum, is if it affects one khushu'. 
Have you interpreted that as mustahab due to the lack of khushu'ah, not breaking salah? So this is a very good point what Rayhan is saying. He goes that the translation of what Shaykh actually says, he said that perhaps this thing is legislated. And the word perhaps this is legislated is a general statement which can indicate that it is permissible, but it can also indicate that it is recommended. And so what I am trying to say, uh, Rayhan, is that um, the, I, the me interpreting it as mustahab is actually Sheikh's own interpretation, depending upon what level, because he's comparing, comparing it to ibaha. So if it's permissible and he's using it, it is qad yakun mubah, yani if it is for this, but it is mashru' for that, the fact that he's saying that the comparative point is permissible is indicating it is mustahab. And that's generally, we know anything which increases for sure is something which is recommended anyway. Yeah, Aba is for women. Yeah, that's, I guess, a standard thing. Uh, Two-parter, if you are praying a witr or nafal prayer and wish to make the qunut dua, do you have to make the, that intention before the prayer or could you decide that once getting up from ruku'ah? My answer to that is that you can decide that on the time because it is not an essential part of the prayer. That's like saying, when I start the prayer, do I have to recite Surah Ikhlas in the prayer or can I make a judgment call yani, you know, when I'm there and then? Right? Okay, so no, you don't need to. Uh, number two, if you're reciting a surah and you get stuck at a certain point, how long should you try to remember before making takbir? How long of a silence at that point is too long? Um, yeah, why were we, talk, we, we mentioned this silence issue the other day? Yeah, was it last week? Yeah, so you said that what you do is you recite the same ayah. Yeah. But nowadays, yep. if you're reciting the same ayah, it's a clear sign that you yep. don't know. So, because we, 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 I said to you, I remember one of the questions I said to you in the Q&A was, if a person waits about 10, 20 seconds, yep. um, and you know he's not sure which ayah is, and he's trying to work it out, yep. he's such a soul for that. Yeah. Why is well, how long is too long? Yeah. How long a silence is it too long? And as we said before, it's when the people think that the whole situation has gone completely belly up and people might not think the prayer is going on and it's breaking the structure. That's when it's too long. But there's no time limit for that. So when you ask me that question, there's no correct answer for, for that. But it's a few seconds. And that's why we love Surah Ikhlas because you get stuck, then just jump into Qulhullah Ahad and just knock that bad boy out. And that's it. It's just saves you. Emergency Surah. You don't wait too long. Welcome, Salam Aisha. Always keep a thobe for my boys, like when they come downstairs for Fajr Salah, they usually forget to wear thobe on top of their pajamas, and they start the Salah. It bothers me that they forget every time. I'm glad it only bothers you because my kids get beast for that behavior, okay? What if I keep it in front of them? Can they wear it whilst they are in Salah? As I always encourage them to not read their Salah in PJs. Now that's a really good question. A really good question. You are encouraging them to wear the, that thobe. Most of the time, the nature of kids, their clothes are baggier than usual, they are smaller than usual. They don't have the problem of aura uncovered most of the time. When we are telling them to wear a thobe, it's to respect the prayer, to not treat it like it's just some lazy thing, right? Here, their khushur is not necessarily getting increased with them having a thobe put on. They're just obeying their parents more or whatever. Your justification for telling them to put the thobe on or even putting the thobe on them whilst they're praying is that they would understand the importance of the prayer more, which is in of itself an objective. Is it a strong enough objective to put it on to recommend it? I don't think so. Get them to do it on the sunnah prayers rather than the fard prayers. 
I don't think it's an issue of fard or sunnah. I think, it, I think the question is a really good one. It's across the board. At what level is it yani, uh, justified to start physically getting involved with a person? So I'm saying that I think it's not good. It's not good for a person to pray in their pajamas. It's not respectful of the prayer. The Prophet said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, And that's a command. Take your best clothes when it comes to yani, the prayer. So, we've got time. Alright, let's just quickly finish off these questions then. Uh, no more please. No more to be submitted because we just keep going around. So Aisha, I want to say to you that um, I think it's permissible if you put the thobe on, but I don't think that it's the, at that age, putting it on during the prayer, I'm not comfortable with it. Okay? I don't think it's a major problem though. Huh? Uh, both. Even if she puts it on or, or ask them to put it on. Uh, uh, definitely your concern is correct, but I don't think that we should do that so much. Let's say lower a bit. Lower, lower, lower. Um, in a situation where ghusl is required and the person recognizes the need for it before entering the shower, but then forgets and showers like they normally do, is this okay? Is that how before the intention is? And also if they're washing themselves the body, including mouth and nose. We mentioned in the past that a shower counts as ghusl, but what if one is not sure that water touched every part of their body? No, no. I didn't say that a shower counts as ghusl. I said that a shower is ghusl. And... A, a, a shower being ghusl means the two conditions, which are intention and every part of the body being touched by water. If you went into the bathroom having to make ghusl for Friday or for purity from relations or whatever, you have to have the intention that I'm doing it. I'm having the shower, not because it's my morning shower, not because I want to be fresh, or not because of X, Y, Z, but because I want purity from Janaba. You've got to say that, believe that, and then at that time just ensure that your body is covered with water. That can happen in the same shower as your cleaning, cleaning shower or your morning shower, but the intention has to be there. So the answer is no. A normal shower cannot suffice for your shari or ghusl. Alright? Can a sister correct an email imam? Yes. She claps. And the clap is making a sound which brings attention or yani, this. It, 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 we're coming to that. Can you put your hand on someone that is rocking to stop them from rocking during salah? If it is affecting your khushu'ah. You know this is amazing. If it is affecting your khushu'ah. So this is a person who's next to that person. What do you think? Just give a little elbow. I mean, okay. You're not, you're obviously not going to say subhanallah, are you? Well, hold on. They just want to, they just want to are happy to put the, the, the hand on. And you, Yanni, all passive-aggressive, want to give them the full no, elbow. Okay, so someone's uh, too much of a gap next to you. Would you not just give them a little thing there? Okay. So what stops you doing this thing? <laughs> None of that seems to be moving. <laughs> okay, so we got the question of a little. Yani, what do you think, boys? What do you think? Both. You're allowed to. What do you think? Abu Hurairah was praying one day, and there's a guy next to him, and what he was doing is that he was, uh, he, <laughs> he was. Uh, uh, lifting kind of his foot and kind of uh, scratching it's not clear actually what he was doing with one foot onto the other uh, foot and he was doing that and Abu Huraira slapped him on the thigh and he calmed down like you're ruining my prayer here basically now obviously that's an independent action of a companion because you guys know obviously Ali radiallahu anhu was praying in a line and you know you've got this really irritating thing where people come late 
to the prayer line and they're behind in the prayer line second one by themselves so you might have seen you know they pull someone back which is disgraceful man's yani comes and lines up yani whatever and you're getting pulled out of your line so you you know some people they come back and then the lines will go in and he pairs up and the people who do this pulling back they do it either i don't know whatever reason or because they believe that the prophet ﷺ prohibited a person to pray alone in a line which the hadith states but this is referring to the person who does it in, uh, intentionally when there's space if there's no space where else you gonna stand so it's allowed now anyway uh it's completely your right not to move some people people get to me all the time i don't move at all I'm not moving sort yourself out and a person did that to ali whilst he was in the first row and the, uh, the, the narrator was saying that he pulled him first time second time and the third time he turned and punched him straight in the face <laughs> yep, yep, straight, whoosh, whilst he's praying, in the face, boom, Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa arda, sick guy, whoosh, one time, so, yani, I think it's okay to do a little bit of, uh, little passive aggressive, yani. okay, with regards to movement in the prayer, what if the movement takes you into different position, bend over, that's okay, the bending, etc. You know, it's about feet position, it's about direction. A person will get used to this. That the action that they do need to do movement, at least make it in a way where you're restricting your movement, even if it's very pseudo. Can there be a long gap if one is praying solo and working on remembering what comes next in the recitation? Yes, but you would try to balance it out by doing a longer ruku'a, a longer sujood, because you don't want to make it unnatural. If you did a real long kind of gap. Person wears a thobe of a pajamas, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with the pajamas, bro. It's the level of effort that we're talking about. Yani the pajamas, yani, you know, they're, they're the softest, cleanest, most comfortable clothes on the planet. But the thobe is a bit more respect. Regarding tawarruk, did you manage to confirm whether the third position of tawarruk, where the left foot is between the saq and the fakhr, should the right foot be in nasab or muftarish? And the answer to this question, what Rehan is asking, is that there is a third way of making tawarruk where, where you're, uh, I'm, I'm currently sitting in tawarruk by the way, okay? Uh, everybody, if you can actually see how I'm sitting, then my, I'm sitting on my left cheek, buttock cheek, it's on the floor. Normally, you sit on your left foot, don't you, when you're in salah. But I've pushed my left foot underneath my body, so I'm sitting actually on the floor, and my foot has come out the left-hand side. It is underneath my left, my right shin. This is the no, and my right foot is up in a state of nasab. Yeah? Now, not my toes like this, I mean. Yeah? Now, we know there are different versions of this, and one of the versions indicates that the left foot, narrated from the Prophet, actually goes off the floor and is in between my thigh and my shin. As for my right hand foot, yeah? Should that be up or can it go down <coughs> like this? It's like flat. And the answer is, is that both of them, Rehan, okay? Both of them have been narrated. I looked into the Musannaf and both of them are, you either find hadith that do not indicate or whatever. So there's fee uh, I asked some of the Mashaykh as well. So the relaxed situation is relaxed. The point can be, the, the, the point is, is that the seating position is meant to be relaxed. All right, no more questions. Aisha, I said no more, man, and you just asked one literally right now. Uh, I remember you mentioned that Sheikh Shankit, you said he's not allowed to wear short sleeve thobes if they were considered as pajamas in the Arab world. 
That's right, that's not supposed to become really strict on that. You see, we think it's all smart and smooth, you know, the whole nice, yani, you know, nice tutorial job, whatever. But that is literally what people, what Arabs sleep in. And a man comes to that, yani, in the masjid, he's, so again, I, I, it's, it's a strict, it's a culture position. You buy a nice, yani, one, and you're thinking, that's, you know, I've done full behavior here. And, you know, you've got an ex-scholar saying that, you know, why you're, you know, praying in the, in the pajamas. Can you prod someone who recites out loud of the imam to indicate to them to knock it off? So the, the, the guy praying? Yeah. The, the, no, the one who is like, you know, speaking loudly. No, no, so who would do the prodding? The, the ma'amun, the one who's praying? Yeah, yeah, you're standing next to a guy who's just giving it, you know? Oh, you're next to you, yeah. the imam. You're making dua or whatever. I think there's space for that. I think there's space for that. But again, you've got to... That person is right there. Well, it might be the first day I saw the Shafi'i. They don't mean that. Yeah. Osman is saying, no, you don't mean that. He's basically telling you what you mean. This man's planning, we've had enough of this, hasn't we, Sabah? Yeah? There's always that one guy who's reciting the Mahmoud. They know, and they know it. And they're, and, they're, and they're doing their own. Yeah. What did I say? Oh, same, making dua, making dhikr. Or, or recitation of Quran. Yeah. It's so all the same thing. No, no, I, this, so, so, so let me make it clear. When I say it's fine, we've got to calm down here because if you open up that door, you know, what's the acceptable level of noise to you? Some people are super sensitive, other people aren't. So I'm saying technically it's allowed, but Muslims should not practice this because it's not just about the law, it's the spirit of the law as well. You don't know how other people are going to react. People are so sensitive these days. People don't even know how their husband and wife yani, react yani, to joke. What about strangers? And they say something, honestly, you'll have a joke with your own husband or with your own wife where you know this person 20 years and they completely lose it. And you're thinking, wow, I didn't know you were going to react like that. So what about someone who's in the whatever? You've got to be careful. All right, last one. My son has a question. They were praying jama'ah. After the salah ended, one of the boys who joined later stood up to complete his one rakah. And at that time, a third person taps him to join in the fard prayer. He needs to know how is it possible and what should be done. Now, this is what I was saying earlier on. That if a person himself is a follower, late, can that person become an imam? And we covered this a couple of years ago. Who can remind us the summary? Oh, wait, yeah. Oh, um, I can't remember the exact details, but technically... Uh, once he finishes, he could become an imam, no? That's right. According to the Hanbalis, or according to uh, Sheikh Uthameen, it is permissible for a person's niyyah to change. Niyyah from being a follower, to an individual, to an imam. Once he gets tapped. Yeah? Now, he doesn't have to be. He can do what I said, just carry on his tough. Yani, I'll carry on and he follows with me, good luck to him. But, if I want to now make takbir louder and make him follow, that's great. But the issue, on, obviously, on that would be, if he's got a prayer, like, yeah, it's a, it's a whole mess. It's a mess. People need to be more responsible. But in certain madhahib, like the Shafi'is are very relaxed about this. So you see them practice this more. Right? You'll see this, for example, very common in Malaysia, for example. A lot of people will just go straight up to know very clearly. And they, not only that much, by the way, not even what, that, that much. They will go up to that person and they've seen him and they will separate him from the three. So there'll be four people that have just stood up. They will choose the last guy and they will separate him and push him forward and there will five, six lying behind up behind him. And he will proper lead another jama'ah because the Shafi'is are very pro the whole changing of thing. Right, that's that's enough folks. Jazakumullah khair. And this is before you go, especially all the people online. 
uh, important for me to do this thing. Yeah, was the uh, uh, thing magic. For first, just if you just uh, pass me this. I had uh, two things. Um, this class, I think, is the first time it's been taught here. Yeah, the Prophet smile. Okay, so Sheikh Yahya is teaching this in Manchester, not this weekend, the next weekend. Okay, so that's going to be Friday, January 10th. Yeah, right? weekend class um, on the uh, it's the Shema'il basically of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And obviously, Sheikh Yahya has has written quite a lot about this as well. It's one of his good areas. I'd recommend you to try it and come to that because it's not coming to Birmingham. Whatever, however, Birmingham does have Umfest. Okay, and Sheikh Walid will be down, I'll be here, Wissam Sharif, Ustaz uh, Taymiyyah will be here as well, okay? And Ammar Shukri, and Sheikh Sulaimanhani, and Sheikh Ahsan, and Buna. And the lectures that we choose hopefully will be that which will be relevant, inshallah, to a gathering. It's good fun. Um, what I would really appreciate, especially in Birmingham, from you all, is that there are flyers outside, which you might know about it, but I want you to take a bundle, okay? Take a good few and invest in actually trying to convince people to come. And now, one of the things is, is that people are, are always willing to do this. They forward, you know, things on Facebook, they forward whatever, but people are bored of that. Think of it yourself. When you receive, Yanni, you know, someone posting on Facebook, does it really push you to go? Then there's another 30 that are pushed in that way. Uh, one of the reasons why the, the, the conferences and the classes are, the, 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 the attendances are dropping, is because the people who know that there's khair in it are not investing real time with the people they want to come. They're not making the phone calls, they're not yani, putting the emotional blackmail on them. No, no, really, I need you to come. And, and they, you need to do that, especially if you believe that what the time they're gonna spend there is gonna be better than you know, what they're spending elsewhere. So take some, take them and give them to some people and don't just hand it to them and say, listen, I really like you to come. I think you're gonna enjoy it. And I think they will. So that's Umfest on the weekend of uh, February 15th to 16th. 15th in London. 16th in Birmingham, please take that and all details on ilmfest.com. Zakumullah khair for all of you guys coming out. I really appreciate it. Have a safe journey back home. Zakumullah khair, subhanakallah wa bihamdika, shadu an la ilaha ila an. Wa astagha turukallahum wa atubu ilayk. Wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.